everybody i'm back and welcome to a new episode of better with chocolate your sweet black owned podcast in this at times bitter world it is i your host Kristen dominique um i was off last week because i was feeling a little under the weather and no it was not covid so let me just get that out the way but yeah i was really trying to push myself to um, put on an episode but yeah my voice was all messed up and like it was not it was not cute um feeling better this week though uh, a little congested still maybe you might hear it in my voice I don't know but regardless we doing this so what's up it's been a while since the last episode and um how's everyone doing hope everyone's doing well so I was planning on talking about this last week when it was still more relevant and fresh, you know, in people's minds. But obviously, due to unforeseen circumstances, I could not. So I'm going to talk about it this week. And you know what? It may be a little bit stale news, but I promise you it's going to be a little interesting because what initiated the interest in creating this episode, it 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 brought up another topic of things that um, I feel we need to discuss, questions that need to be asked, you know? So anyways, um, let's get right to it. This week's episode. We all heard what happened at the Oscars. Well, the following week, the Grammys happened. And um, we all heard about this reggae band who won Best Album, I think it was. Again, I didn't watch it. Yeah, they took home the Grammy for the best reggae album. And a lot of people weren't happy about it. The online community was split. Uh, The online black community was split in reaction to this win. Now, in case you forgot, or maybe you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, um, there's an American reggae band called Soja. Okay, based out of Virginia. Uh, they won the album for Best Reggae at the Grammys um, for their album called Beauty in the Silence, uh, which was released last year in July and apparently peaked at number two on the Billboard's reggae album chart. band has been around since 1997, apparently built up an international following You know, where they did heavy touring and had a series of independent releases. But their breakout was really in 2012 with their album titled Strength to Survive, uh, which peaked at number one on the Billboard's reggae album chart. And then in 2015, their follow-up album, Amid the Noise and Haste, got them their first Grammy nomination. Now, if you can't hear it in my tone, I'm a little surprised because I have never heard of these guys. (laughs) And I'm sure most of us can attest to that. I I have never heard of this band, not even in passing. Not and I mean, I read a lot, you know, I read a lot, a lot of random stuff, you know, articles and things like I have never heard of these guys. Soja. Yeah, but anyways, 
let's get down to the reason why everybody was so upset about it. Now, in this year's categories, we had um, some other notable artists, which was part of the reason why people were kind of, you know, kicking up a stink, so to speak. Um, so we have Sean Paul on there, Spice, Jesse Royal, Etana, and Gramps Morgan. Now, obviously, people were feeling that there were other people on this list that were more deserving. And especially because these guys aren't a household name. I guess you kind of have to be part of the niche white boy reggae community to know who these guys are, you know? (laughs) You know, so, yeah, this brought up a lot of topics about racial disparity, um... You know, and and the topic of, you know, white people emulating black culture or blackness. You know, we we see that every day, right? And then you have some people that, you know, were coming out and saying that, you know, you know, congratulations to these guys. They're very talented musicians and blah, 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 whatever, whatever. You know, and that's cool. Here's my thing. My issue is not the fact that, you know... It's white people playing reggae music, right? And um, we all know that reggae originated in Jamaica. It didn't really become a global phenomenon until Bob Marley. Now, if I am wrong with those facts, someone please you know, feel free to, to, to tell me. But as far as I know, um, reggae became a real global phenomenon, you know, thanks to Bob Marley. I mean, there are other reggae art- artists in my book um, who are just as notable and pioneering, but not as well known and heavily commercialized as Bob Marley, you know, such as Dennis Brown. Um, you know, he's one example. But I digress. So, anyways, so people took the issue with that, you know, knowing that n- noting that there are a lot of well-known global reggae artists, black reggae artists, that have not been recognized in the way that these dudes have been, right? Like, for example, you know, in this category, in this year's nomination, Sean Paul was on that list. I think, you know, Sean Paul has been a heavy legend, you know, in in most contemporary reggae, I guess you can call it, these days. I don't know. But my, the thing that I want to focus on is the emulation and imitation of blackness and black culture and black American culture and what that looks like and what that means right and why it is such a problem so my thoughts on this again if you listened to my last episode I don't really give two shits about award shows these days um you know I am happy for those who've worked hard to attain uh you know to, to reach that goal or to get to that point because that was part of your journey and I'm happy for you and I feel like everybody should be chasing their goals and, and achieving them. So but for me personally, like those award shows, like the Oscars and, you know, the Grammys and whatever, um, these institutions that have time and again snubbed black people, I don't, I don't care for. But that's a topic for another day. So my take on this whole thing is I don't have an issue with non-black people playing black-rooted music, but it's when 
the emulation or the imitation or the mimicry almost of kind of trying to portray the quote-unquote black antics or mannerisms or you know that come along with with it with the genre of whatever it is that you're doing it is the thing that I take issue with so instrumentally play your reggae music man like you know I don't doubt that these guys aren't talented musicians play the music that's cool but it's the it's 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 this it's the weird emulation of singing in a Jamaican accent that does it for me or thinking because you just grow some dreads on your head you know and you say everything iry and one love you know <laughs> I don't know man it just it's clownish to me it's just it's a little too much could you just not be just a basic regular you know white person just singing reggae music and just leave it at that you gotta take it a step further to kind of like wear this costume and that kind of segues into what i want to talk about society wearing blackness like a costume where they can put it on and take it off as they please where they can enjoy the benefits of being black without actually having to be black so we all know that us black folks are the originators of cool we are the originators of cool and we have seen the emulation and the imitation on a global scale i don't know how many of you are on tiktok or you know you've seen it um i've seen videos upon videos of um asian men getting perms you know to 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 give their hair that afro look hip hop has become i think one of the biggest style influences both in fashion in mannerisms and in music and that credit goes to black americans respectfully you know <clears throat> and throughout the years we have you know been duped so to speak by artists who we thought were black because of how they sounded the way that they sang the way you know the style of music they played you know without seeing their face many thought were 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 black only to find out that they were white for example growing up music was always really big in my house thanks to my father he always had music blasting in the house um so i grew up listening to a diverse set of music but anyways <laughs> there was this one particular reggae group that my dad would play all the time and for the longest while i'm talking about maybe three quarters of my life i thought we're black people and it is the british band simply red Now, Holding Back the Years is a very popular song. You put that on, everybody knows who it is. Whether you know who the band is, what the band looked like, whatever. You know, if you don't know any other songs, you know this one. Them and UB40, I swore, were black. But 
I found out a lot later than I, you know, now that I think about it. But yeah, no, for the longest I thought that they were, they were black, but now they're in fact white, white as ever, you know, <laughs> and British at that, which is crazy. But anyways, um, but I think the biggest, the biggest trickster, you know, unintentional, I guess I will say, you know, trickster in this is Bobby Caldwell. We all know that song. That song has been remixed and sampled and, you know, many, many, many times. Listen, if if a video of this man did not exist, I would have gone to my grave forever thinking that that was a black man. Okay. Michael McDonald is another one who, again, another, another white artist whose songs um, has been sampled and, and, you know, throughout hip hop and R&B and whatever. But yeah, Michael McDonald, definitely a white dude. Definitely a white dude. Um, in the R&B genre, you know, there's John B., you know, singer of his hit, they don't know. A lot of people thought he was black too, but nope, he's white. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's any others on the list that you guys can think of, please, please hit me up and let me know because those are the ones that come top of mind right now. But, but anyways. Mentioning those artists just speaks to the influence of blackness and black culture, black American culture, and what its its influence has had on on music, you know, on white artists and around the world. It's interesting because what we see that is known as street style is really taken from black American culture, right? People put hip-hop and street style, you know, they kind of use that synonymously. But no, what it really should be referred to is Black American culture. That swagger, you know, that that definition of cool, you know, that whole attitude and the the vibe and the energy that comes with it. It's 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 blackness, man. It's rooted in blackness. <clears throat> We always hear the term, you know, you know, invited to the cookout. And it used a lot across the internet, you know, when you see white people doing something so basic, um, but seemingly quote unquote cool or um, I guess quote unquote um, black, you know, like whether they dance real well or they can sing in a certain um, way or, you know, they can cook a certain kind of food or, um, you know, if they're caping 
for 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 black people and kind of speaking out on racism and stuff like that little very very like you know you know basic things um and you often see like saying oh you know they're invited to the cookout or we got a plate for you and like saying shit like that and while it's it's said in jest um it's a term that's become you know it it becomes kind of like an invitation to sit at our table it's kind of like a stamp of approval you know that oh yeah like I'm, I'm i'm deemed cool by the black community so i'm good i got my card you know i have my pass i'm 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 cool you know but here's the problem with that we are giving invitations out to a world that has forced themselves upon us no invite is needed because we exist in a world where our house has no doors And if they have doors, they don't have locks. They are free to come and go as they please. Take what they want from us. Leave the rest. Destroy it if they must. Do whatever they want with it. Stake claim to it. Take ownership of it. So why are we handing out invitations? We don't hold any keys to gates. We're not gatekeepers of anything. And maybe that's the problem. So I was looking a little bit like when this Soja, every time I say that band name, I want to say Soja Boy, but it's not the same thing. (laughs) But ever since this, you know, Grammy win, for this band came out and you know I was looking a little bit at the comments and stuff that people were saying and like I said from my observations it was split you had people that were on the side saying like nah you know there are other artists that are more deserving or more um, artists in that category that were more deserving of that award people not knowing who the hell Soja is um, you know speaking to the same similar thing that I was saying about you know imitating you know blackness um, but then you had people on the other side saying, oh, well, music is global and music's meant to be shared. And why are we gatekeeping reggae music and blah, blah, blah. But perhaps that's the problem. Wouldn't you think? Like, let's think about that for a second. Black people on a global scale. We are not gatekeepers to anything. Because anything that we have owned or originated or created has been taken from us and wrapped in a nice little package and sold to the benefit and credit of other people. Blackness has and continues to be a commodity that is bought and sold. It has become a costume that non-black people can put on and take off as they please without consequence. And this is not a new phenomenon. Phenomenon. <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry. You know what? little tangent. So earlier this week, I was talking to my boyfriend about the Muppets. And I started singing that Phenomena song. And that's just been stuck in my head all week. So what I said, Phenomena, made me think of that. And anyways, back to the, to- <laughs> back to the topic ahead. So... 
we have become we have and continue to be a commodity that is bought and sold and traded across markets um globally to the benefit of people that aren't black <laughs> okay i'm gonna just say it blackness black people exist obviously beyond uh you know slavery but it's i guess the most common uh thing to touch on when speaking about this but since since the transatlantic slave trade black people have been treated as products products to benefit the lives of non-black people and it continues to this day in other forms and we are all complicit to it we are all complicit to it Online on social media, a lot of the catchphrases and the words that are used are rooted in African-American vernacular. A lot of the dances and these so-called trends on social media are originated by Black creators. The popularity in certain music genres that is known as popular music or pop stems from black creators. A lot of the fashion trends that we see that's deemed as streetwear originates from black creators. <laughs> um, I'm sure you guys remembered a few years ago when high-end brand um, was it Gucci Gucci, Versace, I don't know, one of them started selling pants. (laughs) Selling baggy pants with an underwear band sewed into it. Yeah, I was selling that for, I don't know, like $1,000, some shit like that. I don't know, but while it's not a style trend that I particularly like, I don't think your underwear should be exposed at all. Like, that's why it's called underwear. To wear under your outer clothing. You know what I'm saying? But anyways. um, Yeah, that's you know, a quick example. So black American culture has always been one of America's greatest exports. And I think people tend to forget that. Because it's become so commonplace. It's become so normalized. Now I'm aware I am a black Canadian. But... A lot of what we see in our mainstream popular culture needs to be credited to Black American culture. And people forget that. Black Americans have been especially influential in arenas attuned to style and creativity, as I've already noted. And again, talking about the commodification of Blackness, you know, companies like, you know, Nike and Adidas and Apple and like I just said that high-end luxury brand I can't remember if it was Gucci but whatever you know built the reputations on being cool cool which is at the root belonging to blackness the use of the word cool you know to mean something good you know among other definitions or context using in context or whatever is a product of Black American culture. In the 1930s, you know, Black jazz musicians in the U.S. 
um, and it's been credited to saxophonist Lester Young, um, credited of, with coining the word cool, where he began using it as a term to describe a state of relaxed intensity. It was more than just a musical style, though. It was an attitude of emotional detachment that rejected, you know, the notion of how Black artists were supposed to perform on stage. Now, I don't know if you know, if you guys know the terms of the minstrel shows, I'm sure you guys have heard it, you know, and if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But if you don't, uh, minstrel shows were designed for Black performers uh, to amuse white audiences with a smile on their face. Jazz was created in sort of a rebellion to that. Well, I don't say jazz was created with that, but like the way in which black jazz musicians performed it was sort of to rebel against that. So the word cool often attaches itself to, you know, the word rebellion. It's, re- it's cool to rebel, you know, to go against the norm. But cool isn't necessarily bad. Cool is good. But the whole attitude, you know, surrounding it, and again, like, credited to black to black people. So I guess the question that I'm looking to ask here is, in knowing this, and knowing even though we have more avenues and platforms to put out our work and to get our credit, now that, you know, with social media and everything being recorded, um, we have receipts to back it up. Because unfortunately, our ancestors before us did not have access to such technologies. And <clears throat> a lot of their work, um, you know, was stolen or people were taking credit, you know, for the labor of black people. It still happens. It still happens, though. Let me just say that. I'm going to try and trigger some memories for you guys right now but um i want to say in 2020 or maybe it was last year do you guys remember when black creators on tiktok went on strike essentially they stopped creating content for the app um in protest to their content being stolen or reproduced or reposted and being claimed by white creators um and white creators gaining popularity and making money off of off of um their content so it's just crazy to think that even in this time you know where you got receipts you know everything's being recorded and you got digital paper trails so to speak that it's still happening you know regardless of having control and more ownership of the products that you cre- create or produce it is still at the mercy of being stolen and reproduced and replicated without credit. So is it so much so the technology that needs to be, you know, altered? Or do we need to create more spaces and platforms for us? Or is this a mentality that needs to change? Something to think about. Because like I mentioned earlier, that blackness has and continues to be a commodity, a product 
that can be bought and sold and traded. And, you know, blackness as a culture can be taken, put on and taken off like a costume. I'm going to say one name for y'all to kind of hammer down this point. Rachel Dolezal. Okay. (laughs) I don't even want to get into the topic right now about blackfishing. But you know what? We'll do that on another episode because that is something that really irks my soul. But I digress. What it all comes down to is acknowledging the fact that we live in a white dominant society. And with that, even if you aren't racist and you are white, there is something that is embedded within you that you have a sort of all-access pass to anything in the world that you want without consequence. And that is the truth. Whether you accept it, whether you utilize it, or whether you outright deny its existence, it is the truth. And that is what happens here with Black culture. So my Black people, I got a question for you. When are we going to start gatekeeping our shit? When are we going to stop handing out these useless invites to people that ultimately have an all-access pass to the world? What does that benefit for you? But, um, yeah, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, I, I love talking to you guys and speaking on things, you know, that matter to me and hopefully matter to you too. But uh, yeah, shameless plug time. So if you're not already, please subscribe to my podcast. You can find the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. So please follow, subscribe. Uh, share and um, yeah tune in every week every Friday new episodes you can follow on Instagram at BWC podcast um, <clears throat> post some great content up there mm-hmm. every week we have a feature Friday um, and uh, yeah you know where we highlight a significant um, black figure of the community historical um or otherwise, just, you know, highlighting and putting our faces on a platform for all to see. Uh, for me, you can follow my artist page. I am a creator and a visual or interdisciplinary artist. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at the art of K Dominique. Uh, you can also shop online for you know the goodies i create on my website shopkdadesigns.com and as always if you want to get in touch with me you can email the podcast at betterwithchocolatepod at gmail.com that's betterwithchocolate p-o-d at gmail.com or you can hit me up on the instagram page at bwc podcast uh so yeah Again, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And um, yeah, I really would love to have a conversation about this with y'all. So um, yeah, if you have any thoughts on this, you know, how do you feel about handing out invites to the cookout? You know, 
the proverbial cookout, you know, um, is it necessary? Is it a positive thing? Or is it just a waste of time? Because again, you know, we're, we're giving these invites to, to people who already have an all access pass. So what do they need the invitation for? You know what I mean? So until next week, guys, keep it real, stay safe, be love, and um, yeah, do something nice for yourself this week. You know, do something that sparks your joy a little bit. A lot of shit going on in the world right now, and it's easy to get caught up in all the distraction and the chaos, but do something nice for yourself this week, all right? All right, I'll see you guys next week. Peace.